0: Morning, everyone. Tuesday, May the 17th. Marcus, what happened overnight in the markets?
1: Good morning, Benito. Right. Well, doing okay today. I think we we're up 35 last time I looked. Wall Street was up 27. Dow Jones moved in a 585-point range, may have closed up 27, but 585-point range. I just point out the average true range on the Dow Jones at the moment, which is how far it moves from top to bottom each day averaged over the last 14 days, it's currently moving on average seven hundred 78 points a day, which is as high as it's been since the pandemic. And that is a reflection of uncertainty and volatility, although I've got the VIX volatility chart in the strategy section today. And that's sort of come off the top a little bit, it's still elevated. But it's just interesting to note that you can't confidently buy a market when it's flying around, which it is at the moment. And otherwise, overnight, Nasdaq took it in the neck again, down 1.2%, S&P down 039 European market up 06 uh, One of the observations yesterday was that our market, which was up 74 at one point, only ended up 18. So it came off the top. That was on the back of Chinese data, obviously, they're in lockdowns. But in the last month, industrial production dropped 2.9%. Retail sales 11%. And I think this is right. Not a single car got sold in Shanghai. Can you believe that? Chinese left rates unchanged. There was also a number out of the US overnight, the New York Fed Empire State Business Conditions Index. It's only an index, but it was expected to come in at 16.5. The number doesn't mean anything, as I say, just an index. It was expected to come in at 16.5. And it came in at negative 11.6, down 36.2 points in the last month. So, New York business conditions deteriorating, and Goldman Sachs also dropped their GDP numbers. I could give you the numbers, but essentially, they dropped their GDP numbers yesterday for the US. So, everything just worrying about growth still. We'll come to strategy in a minute, but things still volatile, and the markets not really getting behind or finding a confident floor yet. We have a Wall Street Journal interview with Powell coming up, I think, tonight, and everyone seems to be hanging out to see what he has to say. Otherwise, not a bad night on commodities and BHP Rio up today. Iron oil price up 1.2%,
2: oil price up 2.4%. Thank
1: you,
0: Marcus. We'll be back with strategy shortly, as you said. Tom, how's that all flowing into our market today?
2: Thank you, Ben. Look, ASX 200 is up 34 points ahead of what the futures had indicated this morning. Energy and miners are outperforming healthcare and tech names are easing. We have Brambles down 6.5%. CVC Capital said it will not be putting forward an offer citing market volatility. So they must be paying attention to that VIX volatility index. United Malt Group, UMG is up 0.3%. And that's even despite posting a fall in their half year profit, they did reaffirm guidance for FY22. However, A2 Milk has appointed a new CFO and James Hardy is slipping touch. They reaffirmed guidance and declared a US 30 cent second half dividend. Consumer confidence, the ANZ Roy Morgan consumer confidence has fallen to the lowest level since August 2020. That sort of ties in with the ATR being the highest, the Dow Jones high since about that time as well. So it's all tied up together. RBA minutes still to come at 11.30 expected to highlight the bank's hawkish tilt and that's from the meeting where they lifted the cash rate 25 basis points and as Marcus said we have Jerome Powell Speaking tonight in an interview with the Wall Street Journal. Thank you, Ben. Great stuff. Thank you, Tom. Layden, anything good from the brokers? Thank you, Ben. I've been having a look at step one this
3: morning. That's STP. They're up 11.9% when I last checked, and they fell over 56% yesterday. And now it's 90 something percent down from listing price. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But even given all of that, Morgans believes that the company will remain profitable and cash generative and has retained its ad recommendation. While well, the target price has dropped down from $2.40 to $0.60. That still implies over a 180% return. We were talking about that yesterday. It's gone from
0: having a market cap of something. $400 like, million, Yeah, I almost think. half a billion dollars to less than $40 million now.
2: So And curious incredible. as well that they are profitable. I thought that fall from listing price would have been a characteristic of a company that doesn't make a dollar.
3: Yeah. Also looking at Goodman Group, following their guidance yesterday, they increased FY22. EPS growth to 23%. And all the broker recommendations this morning are bullish. And the average target price there is $28.25, which implies around a 45% upside. Thanks, Ben.
0: Nice one. Thank you, Leighton. Henry, how are things up in Sydney with you?
4: Well, the sun is shining, the sky is blue, and we look forward to a royal visit tomorrow, which is always good news. In Sydney today, just in my stuff, talking a few things that caught my eye. One of those things, of course, was those Shanghai, New sites which I think last year, there was 26,000 new cars sold in Shanghai, not a single one, uh, which does show the extent of the slowdown in China. And that was the thing that disrupted our market yesterday. So very much the sell the rallies kind of mantra and just pushing that one. Also having a little look today at stock that was asked for by one of our members, which is a new lithium mine project in Mali, uh, which is a spin out from Firefinch, which has a gold and lithium project in Mali. Uh, Firefinch is actually spinning out the lithium one, which is called Morilla. They call it Morilla the Gorilla. So uh, having a little look at that one, Leo Lithium is the name there. And also just including uh, the ASX IPOs, which are coming up as people do like a little look at those every now and then. And yesterday I sat down with James Hawkins from L1 Catalyst Fund, which has had a pretty good start to life in terms of performance and had a really great chat to him for on the couch. So I had promised it for the weekend scheduling was a bit of an issue but recorded it yesterday and released it this morning and some good feedback from l1 catalyst in the company on that one so i'll be interested to see how many people look at that and that's about it from me at the moment thank you
0: henry chris is still working from the shadows with covid today but he has put in his technical trading section he's got agl as the chart of the day he's also got a link to register for his chart chat on may the 25th you register online you can then submit your questions and stock code so make should do that. And Marcus, what are you on about today?
1: If anyone can hear a vibrating noise in the background, I'm afraid we have our building shaking thanks to some bulldozers out the back, so apologies for that. When Henry refers to a royal visit, he means Marcus is going to Sydney. It's hardly royal, although I do have some royal links, it has to be said. Uh, but I will be in Sydney for the next three days. And on top of the chart chat, did you mention Henry asked the analyst
4: this Friday? I didn't, but I will do. So yes, ask the analyst on Friday at five thirty. The more the merrier, as always. Your chance to ask me anything you like on any stock you like, and I will try and give you a reasonable answer. So yes, Friday. Rapid forward to that.
1: And in the strategy today, I've really just talked about is this bounce convincing? And as I've mentioned, the uncertainty or the volatility and the Dow Jones ATR, for want of a better measure, you could do it on any index, is still way up there. So this is not the foundation for a confident bounce. So I don't think I. be buying the most obvious trades, which are the sentiment-dependent stocks, consumer discretionary stocks, cyclical stocks, growth stocks, high beta stocks, stock market stocks, hot stocks, lithium, for instance. Yet, there are also a host of ETFs you could buy for gearing to the market, ETFs that will not give you the similar sort of heart attack that you'll get buying technology stocks. But there are a number of ETFs you could be buying. I would just point out the worst-performing ETF in this correction has been, and this is not a recommendation, has been the LNAS is the code, which is the ultra-long NASDAQ ETF. If you really want to get something wrong and beat yourself up, that is the ETF for you. We do have on the newsletter every day the ETF spreadsheet, which is updated on Fridays. Click on that on the right-hand side and you will find a host of ETFs to play in. I also listed in the weekend email the best performing and worst performing ETFs in the recent correction. And presumably, if you think the correction is going to stop or continue, you can pick off those lists. That aside, the next piece of data we've got coming up is inflation numbers on June the 10th. I think we've got FOMC on June the 15th. And I would just note bond yields keep falling, which suggests that the main concern at the moment is growth. As you heard, Goldman Sachs have downgraded their GDP forecasts overnight. We really need China to turn around the result sector showing tiny signs of wanting to bounce a better day today as well. Let's see if that happens. But overall, I think the message is nothing terribly convincing happening on the bottoming front yet, although there are signs of a period of consolidation. Now, a couple of bits of research. One of them was in lithium, Tom.
2: Corey had a research note out yesterday talking up their picks for the lithium sector. They said they have outperforms on mineral resources, Silver Minerals, chem Aluka, Liontown, Hasting Technologies. And that flows some news out of the US. Their Department of Defence has been asking Congress to let them directly fund processing facilities for critical minerals. And that ties in with the stock I talked up on Ausbiz syrup Resources. They're benefiting from the US and its policy to shore up supply chains of critical minerals. So you can read all those details in
4: the strategy. Right. Just to interrupt, the other one that trying to add to the- the small cap portfolio is Ionia, which has got a project at real light ridge for lithium in nevada in the us fully funded to stage one production so that's had a big drop i hold it already had taken some profits looking to add to the position there and also trying to buy some dgo as well but very illiquid and Tom, that's graphite isn't
2: it yes they uh graphite is used for the anode in lithium ion batteries right what do they use for the cathode tom oh not that far we've got to look that one yeah. up as well.
1: There might be another stock. There. Question
2: without notice, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: And there's a little financial summary in the strategy piece on CERA. Interesting that their revenue has gone 2018-0, 1972 million, 2010 million, 21-29 million. Next year, or this year, is expected to be 135 million and 2023-192 million. And they go from making huge losses to making a profit in 2023 next year. So it is a turning point, perhaps, and the trend on the chart's quite good there. Thank you, Ben. Great stuff. Thank you, Marcus. And I believe you
0: have somewhat of a book review for us Ah, yes.
1: uh, My uh, wisdom of Peter Lynch. I have to say, Audible really is for lazy people like myself who can't be bothered to read anymore. I'm not sure I'm ever going to pick up a book again. I'm, I'm new school, not old school, obviously. But I listened to One Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch. His other book is a famous book, Beating the Street. And he is a majestic Fidelity Magellan, was it? Fund manager in the 80s, 90s. The book's very dated, it's got to be said. But he was a an outperforming fund manager, wrote a couple of books. And essentially, he was a stock picker. And I couldn't help myself as I listened, read the book, again, taking notes. So I have put my notes in a section in the newsletter today. I did like some of his quotes. We always seem to be preparing ourselves for what just happened. There you go. So market falls over. Right, let's sell tech stocks. (laughs) Then they bounce. He also said, those who get out of the market because they were fooled when it fell will get fooled again when it rises. And the other bit, which I, I do quite like his sort of straight talk, which is a bit like us really, but he said the stock market includes an element of gambling. You can't avoid it. You have to accept it. And that is certainly true. Many or much of financial industry marketing is trying to suggest to you that the whole thing is science. The whole thing is contained by the miraculous brains of some of the people who write and commentate and do strategy and analysis. But the truth of the matter is, there's an element of luck involved. Uh, Peter, Peter uh, admits to that and also provides a solution on how you can handle it. He is really after 10 baggers. And one of the interesting things he says is that the average person is exposed to interesting companies and products long before the professionals. The best place to look for a 10- is close to home where you work at the mall and the average person comes across two or three likely prospects each year which is sort of along the lines of something I've written about a few times which is people have their own legal inside information but often don't even know they've got it or, or certainly don't use it so the question is what industry do you work in what industry trend do you know about what insight into an industry or specific company or group of companies do you have what do you know i remember I had a running group with a chap who had a Mortgage Choice franchise and he turned up with a new Mercedes and then on Facebook a few weeks later, you could see him in New York with all his kids and he had four kids. I mean, you don't take four kids to New York and go into expensive restaurants unless your Mortgage Choice franchise is doing really well. And it was, and I made a three-bagger out of Mortgage Choice. This was some years ago, buying on the idea that, and after chatting to him, that Mortgage Choice was obviously doing rather well. So keep your eyes open. What do you know? What can you see? Who do you know is spending money? Which of your friends just bought a Mercedes? And what idiot just took four children to New York? You know, maybe there's a stock tip in there somewhere. I remember
0: maybe four years ago when Afterpay was about two bucks still going to Southland one day and going, wow, all of a sudden, every store has an Afterpay sticker on the front of it. I've never seen
1: one before. I I saw something similar. I was in Queensland and somebody had, what do you call those boards, the sandwich boards, had a sandwich board. Outside their shop, saying we take afterpay, which I'd never heard of. Why would you stick a board outside a shop to trip people up? Yeah. And but there you go. So yes, we we saw it coming. Very good. We, we maybe didn't do anything
0: about it. <laughs> and question of the day today: Do you know when you're going to retire?
1: Now I just say on this question, which has come from our member survey, 58% of people, and that's about 650 people now. 58% of people in our survey say they know exactly when they're going to retire, which means, of course, 42% don't know when they're going to retire. So, Tom, do you know when you're going to retire?
2: I have a rough idea of when I'd like to retire and that would be preferably in between 55 and 60, but... It'd be next week, wouldn't it? That's when you'd like to retire. And just go down
1: the coast and surf yeah. for the rest of it. Yes. all yeah. 50 grand a year, you'd be right. Maybe.
2: Yeah, uh, th- around that age, that's when my parents retired. So I- that's all the evidence I have to go off.
1: i just say on that front that people talk about... I'll, I'll retire at 60 or retire at 65 because of the legislation, which is entirely to do with tax and what tax break you get. And I can I can reckon that by the time you get there, these tax breaks are not the dominant factor on whether you retire or not so you really i would say everybody targets themselves depending on what government legislation is about tax which is only a dollar amount really you need to decide when you want to retire and it's completely irrelevant of tax legislation so it could be 70 because you don't want to end up as a vegetable not thinking about anything or it could be 40 because you've got better things to do but uh, we all sort of target this 60 year old thing because that's what the tax legislation is
0: anyway sorry ben i don't have a plan in concrete, but I like siding more with the, the 40 than the 70. And get out and do stuff while you
1: still can. I reckon if you target 40, that will get you out of bed in the mornings and, and make you make a heck of a lot over the next 20 years rather than cruising till you're 60. And I've always felt that uh, kids in particular and a mortgage, and uh, I had a client once say this to me, I a very rich client, I envy you because you've got mortgage and private school fees to pay. You get out of bed with purpose. And you need to get out of bed with purpose and unless you know when unless you have an aggressive target i've got to pay school fees and mortgage debt unless you have even aggressive target i want to be here by then then that gets you out of bed if you don't have that and you just think oh tax legislation says 60 so I'll wait till then you you get out of bed as like a floppy sandwich every day
3: anyway sorry layton i do not have a plan in place at all really i've only sort of just stepped into the Full time working role. So I don't know. I feel like it might be a little bit early to be starting to plan when I leave it.
1: But well, we did an article on retirement, and the, the abiding message was the earlier you plan to retire, the earlier you will retire, and the earlier you'll retire comfortable and happy rather than dissatisfied. If you just let it happen to you, either one, it won't happen, or two, it'll happen to you and it will be uncomfortable. So you could, I, I love Ben's idea at this age to say, I'm going to retire at 40. Now he's going to go like hell for 20 years and probably get that. That anyway. does, sound, does sound pretty nice. Uh, Chi Chi, when are you retiring?
2: I would like to retire around 50-ish
1: right so 30 years time
4: yes,
2: nice, yeah yes, uh, very
4: good emery maybe something we should discuss tomorrow Marcus um, <laughs> well, actually funnily enough I applied for my seniors card this morning because my wife has been taking the Mickey out of me that I could so i applied I, I don't qualify for the super duper one because I work more than 40 hours although I'm sure some there would think that's debatable sure um that. except well that's what I said uh, well um the retirement thing I did actually retire many years ago once and got bored out of my brains. And the problem with uh, retiring at 35 or 40 is that none of your friends have retired at 35 or 40. So you've got no one to play with. The other problem is that, of course, you've probably got kids and they're at school, which does say, make it quite hard to do that. I'm going to go and travel for the next six months because the kids want to go to school and be with their friends. So retirement early is a wonderful, wonderful thing to aspire to. But just be careful what you wish for, because you do get a little bit bored. As far as present day plans to retire, I will retire having reached 60 when I stop enjoying what I do or my health prevents me from enjoying things. But uh, certainly at the moment, absolutely zero plans to retire. Can I have that in writing, please, Henry? You you can if
1: you like. Very good, Marcus. Oh, yeah. when am I going to retire? I'm never retiring. If yeah. Marcus today members need me to write daily, all day, I will continue to do that endlessly because it's what I love to do. So no retirement for me ever. We'll get that in writing too. You can get that in writing, yes. <laughs> Very good. I think that's it. Thanks, guys. Sam, bye. Okay, See ya. Man.